What is up, everybody? On this episode of the Boston Ski Party, we have Jim Ryan. Jim dropped by TSM HQ to be live in studio during the Boston premiere of the new TGR movie, Magic Hour. Jim starts off the conversation by telling an insane story about a recent ski trip that involved bushwhacking through the Chilean jungle with disastrous weather conditions, off-the-grid cowboys, and freaking horses, dude. While we could do an entire episode on Jim's Chilean machete journey, the goal of this conversation was to talk to Jim about his massive 2022 season in which he crafted a TGR segment around lines that he scoped out, hiked, and ripped. These lines were on some of the highest peaks in Grand Teton National Park. We talked to Jim about how the segment came to be and some of the things that have taken place in his career that led him to ultimately filming for Teton Gravity Research. I was insanely impressed by his segment in Magic Hour, so it was truly awesome to sit down with Jim and hear how this entire thing came together. Enjoy the show. Holler. Is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It's cheap, too. I'm glad you guys had fun last night. That's pretty rad. Yeah, last night was awesome. Boston really showed up. It was cool. The energy was all time. I mean, yeah, something about something about East Coast shows and ski movies. The energy is just so high. Everybody's so excited. It's, yeah, it's cool to see. It's really cool. And then especially how they have that set up there at the House of Blues. Like, it's a really cool venue to see a movie for anyone that would be listening to this. Like, it's rad space to see really any show, really. But then. It's really in particularly cool because then they have like this little creepy like secret like boom boom room that you can just go up to afterwards that you would never know was there because you're like oh like well like where's the after party you think they're just gonna like that floor is just gonna like kind of turn up it's like oh, no you have to go through like this bookcase yeah and, and like pass a, a test and it then is you get to go in getting there <laughs> it is yeah all the bouncers are so excited to like tell you the map they're like okay <laughs> <laughs> here's how you do yeah. it they're like go to the staircase take a left and then just, like, there's like knock three times <laughs> there's a yellow curtain and a red curtain don't go past the red curtain whatever you do don't pull the rope <laughs> <laughs> and then you get in there it's like fuzzy walls it's like yeah you know, oh man that whole place you're like jesus if these walls could talk oh my god or be cleaned or be cleaned yeah, that'd be good too. <laughs> i've spent Probably just the right amount of nights in that room. I don't need to see the inside of that room ever again. <laughs> well, we closed it down. <laughs> we closed it down last night. I'm glad you guys did. I wanted to go, but I, 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 uh, you know, I bailed. My wife's traveling, so I have, I have, you know, kid duties. A couple little kiddos at home that it would have been irresponsible for me to rub the fuzzy walls. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's always irresponsible to rub the fuzzy walls. <laughs> Especially when you're supposed to be home taking care of your kids. <laughs> Dude, so what have you been up to recently? I was just talking to Thatcher. You said you, you were in South America? Yeah, I was in Chile like, man, like a week ago. Jeez. Yeah, it's, it's been a whirlwind because I, I was in New York City, what, yesterday, day before, and I was, yeah, in Chile a week ago. Um, and that was an, an incredible, it was an expedition. Like, okay. We went down there and the whole concept was, uh, I've got this friend Adele. And she, she lived in Chile for six years. She's got all these connections down there. And she's also a photographer. Um, brought her to Mexico last year. Madison and I skied Pico de Orizaba. She crushed it. She's like just a total badass. So this year we're just like, all right, Adele, like you've, you've proven yourself. What's your, what's your like dream chip trip? Like what's your dream expedition? Yeah. And she's like, I want to take advantage of this Chile connection I have. I lived down there for six years and... And I've got this, I've got access to these like communities and specifically this one community of cowboys that occupy this valley. Um, so in between essentially the ocean and Cerro Trinador, which is this gigantic volcano in Patagonia, there's just one valley. It's the only way you could possibly access this volcano from Chile. Okay. And it's for like generations, like hundreds of years has been occupied by one family, this this like family of cowboys. <laughs> so the road ends and then like from where the road ends to this volcano inland in Chile, it's it's one family and all their farms and they're only connected by horses, like these horse trails through the Patagonian rainforest. That's it's so like sick. Wow. Freaking crazy. So through her connections with this family, we we get one of the cowboys to like load our skis up on horseback. <laughs> yeah. And That's awesome. Yeah, and I mean this guy is like this, first of all, when this guy rolls up out of the woods, like literally rides out of the freaking jungle and sees 
sees me specifically, he's like, oh no, we got a gringo on our hands. And yeah. he's, he's like not happy. But he also hasn't talked to anybody in three months because when it snows, he's just locked into his house in the forest. So it's like, I'm like riding all his moods as he sees me and he's like not happy about it. Yeah. And it takes me days to earn his trust. But anyway, so we, we like strap the skis on the back of the horse. I get on the back of the horse. I'm so nervous. I've never ridden a horse before. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like riding through the horse through the woods, this guy's got like a machete in hand. He's like hacking at vines or going, wow. yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Some of the trails are like so ancient that through these families riding them like over generations, they've been cut into the earth. And it's like double overhead cool war, but I'm on a horse. Yeah. Like tucking my knees in. So it's a wild thing. Um, but we ride for three and a half days up this valley and Three and a half days? Three and a half days, and, and and that gets us to the first time we see the volcano at three and a half days. And we get to the, like, farthest farm that's still occupied because, like, slowly the this family's, like, retreated from the valley because their, like, lifestyle is dying because they okay. it's, like, one by one family members are moving to si the cities. Um, so we get to, like, the farthest point up this valley, and, the like, this cowboy who's living up there who hasn't talked to anybody He's like the strange one or something. I don't know. But he's like way up there. And he's like, yeah, the bridges are out. And this is as far as you can ride. So we have to like go to this bridge. And it's collapsed into the river. And it's just a cable. And so we like load up our backpacks with five days worth of food. Not really like two days worth of food. But yeah. it's as much as we can carry. And okay. like shimmy across the cable. And then we get to the other side. And the cowboys are like, all right. We literally have no idea where the trail goes or what it looks like. But good luck. You can see the volcano. And so for three more days, we bushwhacked through the rainforest to get to this volcano. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was like, <laughs> was what happened crazy. to the horses? The horses, I mean, we just like, the, the, the they're like, you're on your own now. <laughs> Tied right, them up. Just like this, like, super powerful moment. It's like torrential rain. This cowboy just like shakes my hand. I mean, he and I are communicating mostly with hand gestures here, mostly him just being like, you know, like, get on the horse or like, <laughs> or, like or like, get the heck out of my way of my machete. Yeah. Um, but he just like shakes my hand and for the first time it's like he's like seeing me because like he wasn't stoked with me in general. Yeah. And then we get to this point and he's like, oh, damn, these guys are like badass. Yeah, they're, like they're going for it. Yeah, yeah. they're going for it. Yeah. And we've just like crossed this river. It's like it's the Rio Blanco. So it's like raging underneath us. And we're like shimmying across on a cable ski bags loaded. And and we just like set off into the rainforest. At, and it was awful. I mean, like torrential rain and we're just hacking our way through the jungle and right around nightfall on the first night, we find this like abandoned shack doors off the Dude, hinges. This sounds like, like a, like a <laughs> fucking movie. <laughs> like, yeah. On movie. <laughs> yeah. And we like start a fire in there. Cause like we're both hypothermic and it's like, so, so who's, so who is we like, who's on this journey? So, so the other person with me is Adele Priestley. Okay. Um, and I've known her for like, I've known her since high school. We've okay. been friends forever, but she, so she just like disappeared for like six years. Okay. And but it's just you two. There's not like a photographer. There's she, she's the photographer. She is the photographer. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Um, you might've said that, but I got lost in the rain, in the rainforest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's the photographer. Um, and the translator and like the only person that yeah. speaks English in like a 200 mile radius. Um, and it's like, yeah, we start a fire in there and we're like, we're so hypothermic that it's like the, this shack is like filling up with smoke and we're crying and coughing, but we don't have a choice because it's like <laughs> we can do that or freeze to death. And then we wake up the next day to just like it's we haven't seen the mountain now in two days because it's been just like raining. And but we just wake up to like just a skiff of sun and just avalanches. And we can tell that we're close to the mountain because the avalanche sound is just so close. Yeah. And it's like, holy crap. Encouraging because we're close. Yeah. <laughs> so freaking scary. Yeah. And then a whole nother day of bushwhacking and we finally make it to snow and then a whole nother day. And, and we in like cutting everything. Cause like we were expecting to get a lot farther on horseback. Yeah. One of the things we left behind was the tent. So we're just like sleeping out. We wake up that night with like five centimeters of snow on our sleeping bags. Like so rugged. Why did you leave the tent? I mean, okay. So we got five days worth of food. Glacier yep. kits, skis, boots, poles, sleeping right. bags. It's like we have no room for a tent. Like our bags are obscene. Like <laughs> obscene. It's, it's as much as I can like physically stand up with. And and we still hadn't had wow. the it's like we were cutting everything. We were we rationed 
we rationed less than a thousand calories of food a day and that's all dehydrated food like the conversations we were having when we left the horses of like what comes and what stays is like oh is like drastic like we're looking at like a one little jar of peanut butter being like i don't know <laughs> I this might know. have to stay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That actually came with it, and we like worshipped it. It's super weird when you're yeah. like starving. The things, like the way that you look at a jar of peanut butter, is like it's pretty weird. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's emotional. It's emotional. <laughs> we so all day we're like fighting up this ridge. Seventy mile an hour winds just blasting us in the side of the head. Still, still, it's been two weeks since this, since that moment. Mm-hmm. Still, left ear ringing. It's like I got dial-up in the left side of my head. Jeez. It's like, like in a quiet room. It's like it's like I'm getting connected to this, like Wi-Fi <laughs> at all times. Like the old AOL dial-up. The, the yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, I'm on the internet. Yeah. And Someone picks like, up the phone. You and, get disconnected. It's, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah you got to schedule with your parents. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, hang up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I got that going on. Um, Damn, dude. So did you guys get? I would hope you guys get some good shot. Get some good content out of it. Yeah, yeah, we definitely did. So good. like. That night we like got blasted, coldest night of my whole life. We like get to high camp, which is like a stone hut. It hasn't been occupied in so long that it's totally, it's filled with snow. Yeah. And we have to like kick the door down because the whole inside of the building had back filled with snow. Like horrendous. But eventually the sun comes out after like several very cold nights and we, we get to the highest rideable point on Pico, Argentina. So we cross all the way into Argentina on Cerro Trinador and ski from the highest point. It's like, that's awesome. That is pretty freaking cool. Yeah. yeah pretty so, cool. So you make it all the way, you make it through the rainforest. You're there, you're on a volcano and you ski for what a day. Yeah. Yeah. We ski for two days. We had a two, two days, okay. two day weather window. So yeah. But like in terms of like, you know, experience it, all time Crazy. in terms of like vertical, like you could do it in like, you know, half an hour. On right. Right. Lift. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's called worth it. That's called earning your turns. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Like we both lost like 11 pounds. Adele was like, a oh like <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, we like worked really hard. All we did when we got back was eat. Yeah. So, but yeah, dude, that's awesome. And then because the journey in was what the journey in was when you guys exited, mm-hmm. did it seem like it was, it was a faster exit than it was on the way in or was it just as as you know horrendous on the way out no no on the on the way out it was like first of all that storm that was like beating the side of my head for days it deposited like two or 17 inches of snow at the high camp and it snowed all the way down into the rainforest so we were able to cut literal days off our bushwhack by just going like we skied through the rainforest within a day of where we left the horses wow yeah that's awesome it was it was like the weirdest thing ever to just be like making turns through like dodging vines. Yeah. It's all so yeah, it doesn't green. even make sense. Like, yeah, it oh, doesn't make sense. Skiing like, through a rainforest. All the, all the like moss is coming down. Yeah. It's like crazy. I'm like, look, there's wild boar tracks everywhere. Yeah. What is going on? It was really cool. It was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. What an experience. Yeah, that's crazy. Jeez. Dude. Yeah. How did this come to be? Like, what was the planning? Okay. So yeah. like, okay, a normal, a normal, mountain objective like a normal expedition you'd like see the peak and then you like saw like solve the pieces of the puzzle outwards like all right i want to stand at that point at the top this one was like the opposite it started with adele being like all right i have access to this community in chile that like nobody else does and what can we do with that and it's like okay they're they like they're far western border or eastern border is this volcano like let's see if we can like utilize this connection to like try and ski this thing so it was like it was pretty cool yeah it is yeah Yeah. really cool just like vermont (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i mean yeah you got to be passionate to want to go skiing in vermont (laughs) (laughs) you must have been out at the top of a volcano like yeah this is just like where i'm from just like rutland (laughs) home sweet home this yeah (laughs) This is like the view from Killington. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, we were actually, it's funny that you say that because like yesterday we were talking to Madison and she was like, well, I've been on the East Coast a bunch. And she's like, every time I come here, you know, everyone on the East Coast seems like so stoked to be skiing. And, you know, we talked a little bit about that. And we're like, yeah, it's like if you're skiing here for the most part, it's, you know, the conditions are not ideal. But yet, for whatever reason, everyone's just so excited to be skiing regardless. Especially, you know, I use Killington. We use Killington as an example, and that's where you grew up skiing, right? So it's like some days are great, obviously, but most days, 
you know, there's a lot of different variables. It could just be completely hard pack or it could be raining or there's like a, you know, 10,000 people, but whatever, for whatever reason, everyone's still stoked to be there, which is kind of, kind of awesome in comparison to, you know, we've talked about, you know, a lot of people that ski out West a lot get a little soft in the sense that the, that the conditions are, aren't perfect. They're like, this is beat. Totally. <laughs> and, the, and the difference is that like, if when people go to these Western resorts, they're going because it's good. Right. Right. So it's like, then if it's not, then what's the point? Cause they've like made this pilgrimage to ski this specific condition. You're skiing in Vermont. You just want to go skiing. No mm-hmm. matter what, you just want to be outside with your friends and mm-hmm. that you can do. And it's like pretty cool. It's super cool. Dude. Yeah. It's it, pretty cool. It's really, really cool. Um, another thing too, like that chili story was really cool because it kind of led into something that I wanted to ask you when I when knew that you're going to be on, on the podcast was like, dude, how was that trip that you guys took? Like, I think it was during COVID to the, the great sand dunes in Colorado because yep. that, that looked gnarly. Yeah, because like, like it was it, that was crazy. I mean, I, I've always been personally curious about that national park. I've never been there, but it looks like a different planet, like mm-hmm. from like photos. You know, I'm like, how is that in Colorado? Mm-hmm. And then you guys documented it really well. I, I don't know who the photographer was on that trip, but that guy or gal, like those photos came out insane. Yeah, totally. That Stephen Chalesky was the photographer on that trip, and I've worked with him a bunch. Both Madison and I have, and that was totally his plan. You know, okay. he he is like a genius when it comes to like logistics and a vision, you know, he like, he'll, he'll, you know, everybody's like, you know, it's like wherever somebody starts and then you you figure it out. Like you solve the rest of the puzzle from there, but he starts with like an image he wants. And he's like, got this idea. He sees a picture of the sand dunes and he's like, I want to have a skier in that shot. I want, I want to make this a reality. Yeah. Approaches Madison and I, and then, yeah, we, we like, spent days figuring out like how we would get all the gear deep into the sand dunes. Cause yeah. we want to do, we don't want to just like go out there and just like get the shot and leave like both Mads and I and, and Steven for that matter. We all think that in order to like have these shots, you have to like have an experience in the place, right? You know, just like showing up and standing on the rock and then getting back in your car and driving to the next national park. Like, it doesn't count. You want it. You want that like picture to mean something for you, and then as a result, you you hope that that whole experience like transfers over to it's whoever's true. consuming it. It's yeah. True. So we're like, and, right. it, and it did. Yeah, yeah. So we're like, we don't want to just like go and get the ski shot. We want to like go live in the sand dunes. So we 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 decide that the way to do it is to like load up like little kids' plastic sleds with all our gear and like pull it into the middle of the sand dunes. And we're like researching all these things that would make it easier, like you know canola oil on the bottom of the sled. I was going to say like they that that can't slide very easily. Oh my god. It was the worst. <laughs> this is crazy. Like, <laughs> it was the worst. Like we're we're talking like <laughs> we're talking like 6 hours of like we're all VO2 max. Like we're pumping out. Like it's just it, slugging it, along. The sand is the sand is like burning our skin and <laughs> we're like we're just getting our freaking butts kicked. And, and yeah, we get out there and it was like incredible. It was incredible, but we have to build this like fortress cause the wind's whipping. So we have to like bury the sleds to make sure as like dead point anchors, dead man anchors to make sure that our tent doesn't fly away. It's like the whole thing is absolutely insane. In the middle of the day, we can't leave our tent cause the sand's so hot. It like physically is searing us. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. I mean, cause it, you can't travel. I mean, it's gotta be insane. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, we're like, we're like limited to leaving our tents during like the evening periods and right. early morning. It was like a wild experience. It felt like we were like on a little island out there. And of course we're not seeing anybody because we've like, tra- we've decided to go like to the center of the sand dunes for this thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh. so are they cool with that? Like the park, like whoever's, yeah. mo- like there's like, you can just go into the desert and, and die if you want. Yeah. Like, so that's that what, the thing with the park rangers, we're like worried about permits, all these things. They just like give us a permit because like most people just like, I feel like get it try and they're like <laughs> come right I back. hate that I hate this actually <laughs> they come back and they're and they're like you know let's just go find a hotel where where's the closest best western yeah. because this sucks yeah but i mean i think part of the whole job and doing all these things is to like be super stubborn when it comes to your vision it's like the reason you haven't seen it before is cuz it's dumb and let's figure out how to get it done yeah, yeah. well i mean it came through in the photos yeah. cuz like cuz i mean i read your 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 write up too which was great but no disrespect to your writing, but the photos were like, this is incredible. This is magic. Yeah. It, it looks like a different planet. So I was like, dude, I got to ask him about it because yeah. I don't know how the hell they just let these people go into the desert and just camp. <laughs> yeah, and then luck. like, and then during the day, like, like it's gotta be so hot. You can't like move around. No, not at all. You can't, oh. you can't touch anything. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty rad. It was cool. I'm glad I got to ask you about that. Cause yeah. that was really, that was really cool. Um, another thing we, we talked about too, and we should, we should 
talk about with you is that your beautiful send video. Mm-hmm. And we covered a little bit with Madison, but like, I mean, we should definitely touch on it a little bit because it looks like you guys were skiing way too close for way too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That whole, yeah. But I mean, that, that was like, I mean, w- the, the proximity thing, we could have never planned on any of that. Like that wasn't in the pitch. That wasn't in the vision that yeah. we had. It was like, we had like this, this idea and that was to like, go try and capture like all mountain peace skiing and make it really gorgeous and make people be able to feel it. Yeah. The, the like extreme proximity factor that we added in was as a result of like us all going out the first day and being like, oh wow, we can like read each other's minds. And especially Tim and I, that was like a, that was a wild thing to meet that guy and be like, holy crap, you're just like the German version of me. Like we both we like had this connection that I've, I've really never had with another skier where it's like I could ski behind him and I could tell where he was going to go and know what he was going to do. And for that reason, like, like his tails and my tips would like click as we like were in the transfer. Like we more than once would like turn and be turning so close that we'd have like a little, like our boots would just like tap and then we'd separate again. Dude. But we never like got a full collision, never once. And we did that for like 10 days in a row where we're like, literally brushing shoulders going 40 miles an hour. You guys were flying. Yeah. It It was, it looked insane. You guys were flying and I'm like, this can't, this, this can't be sustainable. Like they're going to hit each other. Okay. Okay. So we, so we had a lot of like near misses, you could call it. And, and it's not to say that there wasn't extreme carnage on this shoot. Well, yeah, Madison said she killed a guy. (laughs) <laughs> i had to talk her down because she like thought she killed <laughs> like i like i was like d- down lower on the hill for all this i wasn't gonna bring it up but she's like yeah i murdered somebody <laughs> i mean he's got he's got a permanent scar on his face yeah <laughs> yeah that the carnage on that whole thing i don't know if mads gave you the rundown but like nobody got away unscathed and which is wild like you know like we're professional skiers you'd think it'd be like alaska or like British Columbia, and it's like no, on no a groomer, no Davos inbounds, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's because it's because we're all bringing this this like idea that it's like we're we're making a groomer video here, and it's got it's like man, if we don't really nail this, we're gonna look so lame, you know. It's like <laughs> <laughs> you have to go hard, you know. You know that scene yeah. in uh, Johnny Tsunami where it's like the guys are like skiing yeah. down and they're like huh, 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 with the pole plants, and you're mm-hmm. like what losers, and that's the point, right? Yeah. It's like, man, if we don't really bring some heat to this, we're going to look like those guys. Um, <laughs> so being so, from Killington, like you got to lay, you got to lay it over, dude. You, you got to, you got to lay it over. You got to lay it over. And yeah. you got to make sure that this, this thing is really special mm-hmm. and we got to like really push it and everybody was game. And so we took like extreme risks, risks, but it was like, we had three hospital visits. We had like two within 24 hours for a, for a groomer, groomer, for a groomer, groomer shoot. We, we had a, we had a broken tip fib. We had like a full, like, and like she launched off a cat track and dropped like 30 feet onto dirt. Like, <gasps> like crazy. I like, I tomahawked through moguls. It was like fully knocked myself out. Mads, you know, you saw her ankle. She probably put her foot up on this table. She does that. Like, However, like major surgery, the whole thing was freaking wild. Wild. Yeah. I mean, it came out awesome. Yeah. But like somewhat, like we, cause we do, you know, ski monster stuff too, where we like testing skis and, and Berkowitz gets like shots and stuff. So like now we're a little bit more accustomed to like what kind of it takes when you see that. Mm-hmm. So before, if I didn't, if we weren't doing that, I would just be like, wow, like that's an incredible experience. Look how, like these guys are ripping. But then from like our lens now, I look at it, I'm like, they're, they're on the edge. Well, yeah. and knowing there's a filmer. <laughs> In between yeah. whatever tight proximity to yeah. like and two drones in the air and one of them is like like in your ear yeah insane the drone dude didn't some guy like didn't some like some like world class drone guy come with like the full like Oculus shit yeah two guys so there would be there at any given time there would be like two dudes with like full like headset over their eyes just zooming around <laughs> zooming around you like get off the lift and it and it would like greet you and you'd be like this is insane this is crazy, this is like, crazy. Hey, yeah like there was there's skill on every end of that production like everybody involved was like an absolute master at their skill it, well it it the final product showed that yeah it really cool. did it's really cool but in another video that you did which i thought of when i when i saw the the beautiful cinema was like you guys did that one at Jackson Hole the in plain sight one mm-hmm. and that was very similar as far as like how close everyone was skiing. Cause like I, the in plain sight video was cool. It came out a couple years ago, but everybody looks like they're on the edge of explosion. Totally. Especially like when you're going through the bumps and everyone's like four behind. It's like, it's almost like you guys looked at each other. You're like, we're just going to ski as fast as we can through this. And what happens 
it happens. That's exactly what we said. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like. But yeah. That, I mean, that was, that was like the other end of the spectrum in that, like the legs of steel guys are like ultra professional. They've been in it a while. The in plain sight, it was like the beginning for a lot of people. Like, you know, a lot, it was, a, it was like a lot of like first time camera work and it, we just got it through like sheer grit yeah. and made that whole in plain sight thing. It was really cool. It's it, like pretty special for that reason. It's really, yeah, it's really cool. And like the whole concept of it with you guys being like, you know, we're obviously we're inbounds, all this stuff that happens like out of bounds, like, you know, filming and it's like, no, we're in plain sight in Jackson Hole. And like you guys are just sending off everything, which is, which is really, really cool. But again, from somebody that's somewhat familiar with it now, like watching that and then watching, you know, Beautiful Sun, it's like, yeah, they're, they're flirting. They're flirting with, with an explosion. Yeah. And yeah. And it happens. It does. Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so then from there, dude, like you were in Warren Miller, what, four times or five times? Four times. Four times. Yeah. Okay. And how did, how did you find your way to Warren Miller Entertainment? How, or how did they find you? How did that all work? Yeah. So um, kind of like the beginning of my career started with, um, so I, I got signed by Vocal and got on the Vocal Pro team. I was going to ask about that too. So how, how long have you been with Vocal? I forgot to ask you that. Uh, man. Because like all the- vi- Six years? Yeah, I was going to say a while. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. Um, and- Sarah Lordson, she she's like really she's, she's the best. She's the I best. I had lunch with Sarah yesterday. Shout out to Sarah. She's great. She is she is great, and she's also like the first person in the industry that believed in me. Because you know it's like when I moved to Jackson, I I didn't I didn't have anything, you know. And it's just like here's another guy, you know, claims he's pretty good at skiing, mm-hmm. but I didn't have any media to back it up. I just had you know like Sarah, yeah. and she came out and skied with me and was like, yeah. I like, I think you got it. It's great. And signed me to the team. And then the next year, with Warren Miller was going to Alaska, and she's like, I think I got the guy. And it's like, looking back on it, it's like, wow, she really like she took a risk with the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it it worked out, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I I owe Sarah a ton in that department. So she she set me up with Warren Miller and sent me to Alaska, and I went to Points North Heli, and it was like. We were there for three weeks, and Alaska is like, you know, Alaska's Alaska. Sometimes it can be the best thing ever. And that happened this past year. It was like Points North had an all-time season. The year I was there, it was like record wind, no snow. We're like, we're stuck inside the whole time. Yeah. And then we finally get out in the heli, and it is like, you know, it's like, it's Killington after a freeze thaw. It's like rock freaking hard. I can see my reflection in the ice. And they're like, we got to, we still got to make this movie. What can you do? Yeah. And then I'm like, no, nah, it's cool. I put a three degree on. I'm actually ready to rip. Like, yeah. let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you guys like angles, dude. I got you. And so I'm like, I'm making like super G turns down these faces. And it's like, there's not even any like snow coming up behind me. Cause it's like that firm. Wow. But we, we like scratched a segment out. And yeah. It was really cool. So yeah, that was the beginning for so me. That was that. your first year. That was my first year. Cool. And and you know, it was like it was a good segment, but it wasn't like all time, but but the guys on the ground, like Tom Day, absolute legend. He's filmed like, you know, like hundreds of Warren Miller segments. He was like, Okay, we got something here. Mm-hmm. Because that was the biggest challenge ever. And yeah. we still scraped out a segment. And awesome. so like that got me on the on the train with those guys. It's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because I was gonna ask you, like, so how does obviously you go your first time, Sarah sets you up, you get the call, you're like, This is cool. Mm-hmm obviously have to deliver. You must've felt a lot of pressure. So much pressure. It's crazy. Oh, but that doesn't stop. No, no, it doesn't. But I mean, I'm just saying your first time you're like, okay, like I got to do this. And then after you do it and crush it, which is great. Like, so how does that, how does that happen? You know, for the following year, do you, do you know that they're going to call you back to go get another segment? Do you kind of like put, Hey, I'd love to do it again next year. How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing's guaranteed in this industry. Right. Right. So like you just like, you just hope that, whatever you've done is good enough that they're going to want you again. Like, yeah, it's just, and and that's the thing. You just like, you, you make sure that you, you've done everything possible in every regard so that when it comes up to make another thing, you're the guy that they think of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I I mean, at the end of that segment, I definitely didn't know I was guaranteed to go out again. Um, but, but yeah, it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. So, I mean, now that you are in magic hour, right? For TGR, like before we get into that, because there's a lot to unpack there because your segment's really, really cool, which, which, and it's like so different than a lot of other segments that I think have been in a couple of ski movies in the last few years, which is, which are bad, which we'll talk about. But before we talk about that, like the differences, you know, for being in, you know, 
Warren Miller for four years, right? And then now getting a chance to go and film with TGR. I, I mean, are there a lot of similarities between both experiences, or is it like pretty pretty different on on how each company kind of approached you know, the, the movie? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think if you're looking at it like super broad spectrum, um, they're do, they're doing the same thing, right? Like in the most general sense, right? Mm-hmm. We're making a ski movie. We we want to. Um, we, we want to entertain people. We want to inspire people. We, and we want brand awareness. It's like that, you know, it's like, sure, that's what we want. And, and so in that sense, the same in terms of working for them, they're very different. Warren Miller has a, has an idea of what they want to make. And then you get flexibility within that, obviously, but they come there and they've got a plan. They've got a window. This is what we're doing. TGR, TGR, I think is different in that they, they come in with a ton of flexibility and, and there's differences in like how that works too, on, like as an athlete, mm-hmm. right? So for Warren Miller, you get the call and it's like, be here on this day and you can, and you can book your plane ticket home on this day and we're going to create this story in between. And it's cool. You show up and you do your thing. You ski as hard as you can, you know, with, within those constraints, um, you try and tell the story that they've, that they've formulated and, and, and it's really fun, right? Cause yeah. it's like, all right, I know my role, specifically know my role here. Um, and it's a great experience. Um, it's a really great experience. And and then TGR is different because they're like, okay, they give you like they give you a lot of responsibility. And and I think that that's something that people like, you know, any potential person that would want to pursue this path should realize. They give you a ton of responsibility, so you can't just be a skier. Okay. You have to ha- you have to not have an idea of the story you want to tell, who you are as a person. And then bring all these other skill sets, right? Because it's like, it's always teamwork. But on that, it's like you are doing, you are, you are helping in any way you can. If there's a, if there's a hole in production, if there's a hole in storyline, heck, man, if you, you gotta like, you gotta carry backpacks and figure out logistics. This is, this is your thing. Yeah. This you are not just a character in this thing. Kind of like a layer of like trust. Like, hey, like we're trusting you to kind of deliver on, you know, what we want you to do in the movie, and then just like go for it. Totally. And. Um, and then even down to the editing, like, you know, as the film's getting built, I'm in that office you know, as much as they'll have me just like giving feedback. Here's what I'd like to see. Here's why this clip is important. Here's why this line that I say is important because yeah. it gives it context. And that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Admittedly, it's super stressful. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. Yeah, because it's on your shoulders. <laughs> it's on your shoulders and you know it and yeah. you know it. But versus showing up being like, hey, we're in Alaska for these days. You know, Jim, we're going to need you to just, like, make some dope-ass power turns, you know, jump off something cool, and then uh, we got the shot. Yeah. Versus, like, hey, I want to ski these lines. I'm going to deliver on what I'm saying I'm going to do. Yeah. And it's, like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's stressful. It's yeah. super freaking <laughs> stressful because it's, like, I came here with this idea, and I own this. Um, and if I if I don't throw down, it's, like, that's on me. Yeah. That's on me. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. So how did that call happen this year with, with TGR? Like, how did you how did you get your – wiggle your way into – that much responsibility. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they kind of like, I, w- I was set up for it. Cause last year I filmed the Jack, just the Jackson, like Jackson hole mountain resort seg. So I kind of knew that that was the program. Okay. Um, and I actually came in with this like different idea of, of like a resort seg. But then in the meantime, while I was waiting for conditions to happen, I just like went out and skied Mount Moran. I skied the skillet and put it on Instagram and, and then the producer, JK, um, <laughs> just like called me up and was like, what the heck, dude? That was sick. Yeah. Like, I, I think we could do something with this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that would be really great. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, me? <laughs> Twist my arm. Like yeah. somebody else or me? <laughs> and, um, and, and so, yeah. And, and uh, I was like, all right, great, but I need help. Like, I can't do this alone. And he set me up with this guy, this XM guy, Nat Murphy, who I'd ne- never met before, but like we, we had an instant connection. We were just talking on the phone and it's like, we want to ride the same exact kind of stuff. Um, so we, we just go out for like, what is going to be a warm up? Okay. Let's go. Cause it hasn't snowed in four weeks at this point in Jackson. Everybody's just written the season off. Like it's not happening. We're in a drought. We're not making a ski movie right now. Heck, some people are like, I don't even want to ski right now. Soft West Coast guys. Soft. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Nat and I go out for like what's going to be a warm-up run, and we're going to go ski the Southeast Cooler on the South Teton. Um, and 
we get up there and we like get to the top and we look in and just the way the wind's blowing, it has like wind loaded. And there's just like maybe like three or four inches of snow over the really hard layer. And Nat radios up to me and he's like, hey man, like I think it could be okay. I think it could be good. And the cinematographer Morgan Shields is like, yeah, all clear when you are like, let's do this thing. And huge moment of trust here with Nat because I had never even looked down this cool bar before. I didn't know what the conditions were like. Yeah. All I heard was that it was like pretty gnarly, but I just like trusted him, dropped in. And it was, I, I think I can safely say it was like the best run of my whole life. Like yeah. in terms of performance, like really just like all time, really sweet. And I get to the bottom and I'm freaking out. Morgan, the cinematographer is freaking out. And it's like in that moment it's on because like, we, we just got like an absolute banger in the can and it's like now we're building this seg because like yeah we got we got to fill out the rest because that right there is something to be proud of and I, it, like that was how it all started that's awesome yeah because that so that really kind of leads it into like okay so how do you map it out now you know like what's the next step you got that in the can like you said all right now we can build off this mm -hmm. so what are next steps for you thought process wise like okay so where do I what's the next line and how do we piece this all together yeah totally so I I I just like, you know, that, you know, 10 minutes after that, I mean, that's how I go. It's like, I can't chill for a second. I'm like, all right, now, nah, dude, we're doing that off every peak. You know, he's like, <laughs> fuck. He's like, oh my God. And, and, you know, he's, he's an exum guy. He's out there. He's just like, okay, that's insane. Yeah. But also I just saw some insane shit. So maybe we can pull this off. And that's like, I mean, that's like one of the reasons I like Nat so much. He just like, he believes in it. He believes in the vision. If you come in and you think you got it, he's like, yeah, you got it. And that's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, that's awesome because, like, I, I, you know, watching the segment, right, it was one of those things that, like, got my wheel spinning. And it's like, all right, so was this something that was, like, in his brain for a while? And he actually now had the opportunity to basically, like, I can make this happen. I can showcase my ambition in this film. Or it was like, did he just do one or two? And then he's like, fuck it, let's do them all. Well, I mean, of course it, like, lives in there somewhere, right? Right. Well, but, but then, you know, like you said, as soon as it, it's like it clicked. As soon as you're, you're like, okay. That was rad. Let's just do that again. Right. And that's even, honestly, even more cool because, like, you're so in the moment with that particular run where you're like, well, we got to just, like, we got we to gotta keep doing that. Yeah. And it, and it was like we did because then, like, two days later, like, legitimately, like, two days later, we're standing on top of the Grand together. And it's like, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, freaking crazy. Just went for it. Yeah. And just we went for it. knock them down. And knock I, I one by one. That, like, next three weeks of my life, I can't even, like, remember because it is, like, it, the focus was so... Like, so sent, like, just like I was thinking about one thing and one thing only. And that was like, how do I stand on top of every peak and ski the gnarliest line off it? And I mean, I, yeah, I've never been that laser focused in my life, I don't think. And it's cool. I mean, I came out of the whole thing exhausted in a way I never have been before, but it was cool because I mean, I was talking to Todd Jones last night and he's like, that segment is like, it's like a historical ledger now of like, if, if anyone wants to go back and see what the fastest descent of any given peak is, yeah. it's all, you know, it's all in that segment right there back to back. That's really cool. Yeah. What a cool thing for him to say. Yeah, I know. It's That's like, pretty rad. I mean, I, I, I it, it's really cool. It's super cool. I'll, I'll remember that for a long time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, and Neil was with Jeremy. Honestly, it's actually a pretty good story. He was, he was there. Um, well, just tell it. Cause you yeah, cause wa watching the segment was like kind of crazy. Cause you guys are just like crushing down all these peaks I think Nick Russell shows up, and then Jeremy Jones gets out there. What was funny is myself and Dylan were on a Jones trip in Tahoe, and we were having dinner, sushi dinner with Jeremy Jones in Truckee. And he's like, guys, this has been great. I wish I could hang out with you and ride, but I need to go finish my TGR part in Jackson. I'm hitting the road at 3 in the morning. And then it like the segment cuts to like you guys hoofing those sleds out with Jeremy and that's where he was heading. So, like, literally, like, days prior to him meeting up with you, we were in Tahoe having dinner with him. Yeah. And he was like, I got to get out of here. Which is super cool because, you obviously, you're like, oh, cool. Like, And then you watch the movie. You're like, oh, shit. Like, that's what he was talking about. Yeah, he we, took we off, just, yeah. went there. You and took Jeremy from him, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was like, screw these guys. I got to go ski real <laughs> shit. Yeah, wait. There's something dope going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Jeremy's probably one of the only guys that knew, like, Jeremy and Nick Russell because, like, Nat and I, whenever I'm, like, filming a segment, or like whenever I got a good thing going, I don't talk about it at all. And that's like sometimes I get in a little bit of trouble with the sponsors because they're like, keep us updated. And it's yeah. like, yo, if you don't hear from me, it's because I got something that's coming. Mm -hmm. um, and so like for those three weeks, it was like we were full dark. 
you know, I didn't talk about anything. Um, and then obviously like, you know, through like, you know, old school networks, Nick hears about it. And that's like, that's pretty cool. And then yeah. same network, you know, Jeremy hears about it. And it's like, that's the kind of people you want. It, it really kind of seemed like he like got a text at the dinner table and was like, Oh shit, I got to go. <laughs> yeah. And like the, the filmer he was working with Greg Weaver was at dinner too. And Jeremy's like telling us like, got to peace out. Like first thing in the morning, we're hitting the road at three in the morning. And you see Greg Weaver, like kind of like shocked, like three in the morning. Like, what are you talking about? And Jeremy Jones is like, yeah, dude, like, those are free hours. We got to get there and, and start filming shit. Yeah. And dude, Greg, how Greg's like, all right, fine. Like, I guess we're hitting the road. How sick is it that you were doing something so dope that it gets to Jeremy Jones and he drops everything. He's like, I need to, I need to be involved in this. I mean, there's, there's been like so many like cool pinch myself moments in this whole thing in the past year. Like, uh, I was at a poster signing in Salt Lake City, and it's like I'm doing the thing, and I'm signing the posters, and Ian McIntosh just comes over and looks at me, and and he's just like, dude, that segment was the sickest thing I've ever seen. You're an absolute crusher. That was the best. Like, just like, you know, just like, just like sprayed me down with compliments, like totally gassed me up, and I... I got like so flustered that I had to like walk away from the table because I forgot how to write my own you're name. You're like you're, you're, you're signing Ian McIntosh. <laughs> <laughs> like oh shit, sorry, sorry. Like, Dude, you don't even realize that's like crazy. It's like the Holy Ghost came up to me and said, "Good work." It's like yeah, that's insane. awesome. Yeah. Well, and their their whole spiel for the movie was obviously like the showstopper. Really, I mean, yours was was that as well, but like the, the st their story through the whole movie was actually really, I mean, pretty cool. And then in terms of just like uh, throwing down skiing, the final line of the film, Ian McIntosh's line, I think that that has extreme power because like the whole thing is like, you know, like it, they're playing into the age thing and pursuing your dreams. And what I'm looking at when I see Ian is just like his cumulative experience in the last line in the film as you're watching that, it's like there is, it's just so intricate, you know, there's like, there's not like a big huck is not like, it's not like him going like super fast. It's like slough on both sides and continuous choke points. Yeah. And it's like the level of skill that he's using to get down that line is just so high. And the only person that could ski that in the world is freaking Ian McIntosh. The only person that could find his way down that face at that speed yeah. and beat his slough is Ian McIntosh. And that's experience. It's so cool. Really cool. Really cool. And then from like, you know, you're even just like your average, you know, watcher, you know, fair weather skier or whatever, like their whole, you know, old suit from the, from the beginning. And then like waiting for the, you know, the sky to be blue and all this stuff, like, like the whole story, it keeps you engaged. Like, like no, in that movie, you know, because you're just kind of like drawn to like that story from start to finish, which I, I thought was pretty genius. Yeah. Dude, my girlfriend, Hannah, thought it was two old dudes. Yeah. She was like, this is fucking insane. <laughs> How are they doing that? <laughs> These guys are incredible. <laughs> totally. Like, I shouldn't have told her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the makeup on that, uh, Ian told me that they sat in the chair for four hours every day before they started filming, just doing that makeup. And it's like, they had close up shots with 4k resolution and it still looked like two old guys. Yeah. It looked yeah. great. It, it was amazing. Really yeah. Sipping whiskey and then like playing chess, like the, even like their movements, you know, you're like, wow, these dude, and where they are, where they are like yeah, on like, the yeah. water, sitting on the dock. Just like, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. awesome. Two coolest old dudes ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, let's not say on Tasker. Cause I want to get back to your segment. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. Cause I, cause it's still, I, I've got some stones that we we got to turn over here. So when you're when you're shooting a set, like your a segment like yours, that obviously after your first you know line, now you're all gassed up. It seems like now now you have a structured segment, and now we have very specific things that we need that you need to do to kind of nail this down. Like so, but with like so many different variables in the mountains, obviously like weather, snow conditions, injury, equipment failure, whatever it may be. You know, did anything come up? for you guys, you know, while you were trying to complete this segment throughout, throughout every single line that kind of threatened to like derail the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's constant, you know, because like, there were so many different like lines you guys hit. So I mean, it's not, it's, it's over a course of amount of like, I, I, don't, I don't know how many days, but like stuff obviously has to happen, especially with the weather, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say that it was a combination of that because like we, I would say normally you're like waiting, sitting, waiting, like, when are the conditions going to be good? Like, let's go strike mission. When it's good, it's good. We, because that first line, we went out just being like, 
it's garbage and we're looking at the long-term for- forecast and it's not going to change. Let's go just see what's up. And then it ended up being like that really good. We went into the rest of the segment with just like, if it's safe, let's go find out. And, and that's what we did. And that's what the segment, ter- the segment turned out to be great despite the conditions. Cause it never snowed that whole entire window. Mm-hmm. It never snowed. We just, we just like paid attention to the wind and then just like went out as much as our bodies can handle and and we like put it together but like we skied on a lot of stuff that was not ideal like there's a there's a clip of me skiing the Amora Vita um and like and like we we were linking lines out there Nat and I we were like we'd climb the middle we'd ski the Chenard Coir we'd get to the basin and we'd climb the south and like we were just putting in the volume yeah um just like trying to find out where it's good and like I skied the Amora Vita, and it, it felt like a tilted pool table. Like, it was rock hard with just this, like, grippy velvet felt top. And we both ripped that. You know, it's like we're not skiing POW, but, like, this is stable. We're not worried about avalanche conditions. Right. So we can ski it, like, fast and top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And and we just put it together that way, like, kind of not waiting for anything. Just, like, go or, go and find out. Wow. Yeah. So it was it was blue sky. It was, it was blue sky. It was a huge drought. Like... That I took a headline, a picture of the Jackson Hole Daily, and the headline was Jackson Hole Drought Even Drier. That was in the middle of my segment. Like, Damn. yeah. And it's just, it, it, I mean, you, you can, like, you can wait around forever yeah. for the perfect conditions, or you can just, like, go out and, like, go out and find out, work as hard as you can, and sometimes it works out. And in this yeah. case, it, like, totally worked out. Yeah, for I mean, us. the stars aligned. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's awesome. And then everything was obviously full manpower, right? Yeah. Like, you guys hoofed everything. Yeah, totally. I mean, that whole segment is human powered. So like, so yeah, like <laughs> the, the clip on the Grand Teton, mm-hmm. the descent of that, it's, I, I've like looked at the raw clip and it, from the time I start skiing on the top of the Grand till the time I'm at the first rappel or like, you know, the first rappel down. So the whole ski portion mm-hmm. of the East face of the Grand is 36 seconds. Uh, it, that was a 12 hour round trip. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Ski tour. You know, it's like <laughs> 30 <laughs> seconds of skiing. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Insane. Crazy. Um, so yeah, we're like, we're putting in work out there for sure. Yeah. For sure. I don't, I mean, I think there was what, there was, was there 10 total that you guys did? We did seven lines, seven lines, seven okay. lines, so, seven peaks. Yeah, yeah. So, and like watching them all, and it was really cool in the movie how, how, you know, like they, they did the, like the infographic that kind of shows you before you, you see the ski, which is pretty cool. But some of them obviously looked a little bit more gnarly than others. Mm-hmm. They're all probably all really gnarly, but like, as it shows it on the movie, like anyone in particular where you were like, yo, this is, this is probably the sketchiest one we've, we've done so far. Um, I mean, the Grand Teton is, is like the sketchiest thing ever and it, it, it I, like I, I was gonna not to cut you off but like yeah. i as I, I was like looking um like down on, on this ipad after like watching it i like literally wrote down like on the grand teton one was like uh, the final third of this descent looks impossible yeah <laughs> yeah i mean like that whole that mountain it's like it's the way it's set up it's just like it's in the center of the range it's freaking gigantic and it's got this hanging snow field above that hangs above everything yeah and the way you you climb it like you have this really long tour to then like several pitches of ice climbing. And then you're just boot packing up the exposed face to the summit. And when you're up like boot packing on that face, it just feels like you're just like on the side of a building hanging over the world. Like you are way out there. Yeah. And then the same thing for the descent, you're like skiing and it goes from like open face to like really committing choke where all your slough is chasing you. And then you have to shut it down above like, you know, like, 2000 feet of just like sheer vertical cliff or else it's all over. Yeah. So it's like, so it's, so that, that bottom third, like mm-hmm. you, cause I, I mean, maybe it shows it in, in the, in the movie. I can't really remember. I just remember like what it actually looked like. So that is a, like you ski out of that or do you like climb down from there? So you like, you like ski the whole face, you ski the, like the first Ford core. Okay. It's like, it's called the Ford Setner. And then, um, you like, you shut it down and then it's just like, uh, like waterfall ice core. Okay. So you, that's re- what it looks like. Yeah. You like repel down that. Okay. And then you resume skiing, but then it's like, you know, it's just like mellow in the valley. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you do repel. All right. That's good. Yeah. Cause I, I was like, they skied down that. Like, well, you see like you the line see, coming down like, and it just like disappears yeah. behind like I'm rocks. Like, and you're like, what happens there? Yeah. There's like one more turn there and then you're at, you're at a repel station and it, it's a repel because it's just, it's a, it's a cliff. I, it's a nice waterfall. Yeah. 
And like you said, the first, maybe this was the first one. I can't, I can't remember, but you said that the skillet was one of your first ones. Was that right? Yeah. But that wasn't in the film. Cause I just went out and just like skied that okay. and then just like put a, you know, GoPro clip on the gram and that's okay. how the whole thing. Okay, know, cool. Came together. Yeah. But because it, but there was one, it said Mount, Mount Moran skillet on, on the film. And it, it actually looked like that run looked super fun because yeah. it's like, it looks like it's most wide open once you get kind of through that squiggle top top section yeah totally that's so that was just jeremy's line that was like okay. the snowboarder guys i got wasn't it. with them for okay. that one got it um but yeah i mean the skillet is like it's one of the 50 classics for a reason like and and that segment's pretty cool all there's three 50 classic ski runs in the tetons and mm -hmm. all of them got skied in that segment so that's pretty sweet but um the skillet is just like seven thousand vertical feet ski run and the top is like 55 degrees or something so it's like this cool water that starts the whole thing that's so steep and then you just like drop into the like the pan of the thing. Mm -hmm. and it's just like, I don't know. It's endless. It looks endless. Yeah, it looks really cool. And that was another thing I was going to ask you too. Like, what's what was what's the average vertical feet of, of each one of these lines? I mean, like, what, like because seven thousand is fucking crazy. I mean, yeah. That I mean, that's definitely the most vert. It's okay. like yeah, seven thousand vertical feet. It's crazy. But yeah. like some of the other ones are like, yeah, like the Amora Vita. You're skiing for like three thousand five hundred vertical feet, and it's just in a cool wire with like. Like it's a cascading rock over you. It's like a huge overhanging granite wall that's like yeah. two hundred feet above you. It's it's like a surreal feeling to be in these places. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, it's like thirty five hundred, five thousand, seven thousand vertical feet. I mean, just thinking that that doesn't even that's so hard to kind of even fathom right. in one run. Especially, Especially like in a tunnel the whole way. Like yeah, you've got a couple feet on either side. Yeah. Yeah, in the Chenard couloir on the middle, it's like the rock is actually overhanging. So it's like you're, it's like it's a roof above you. It's crazy. That was the other one I wanted to ask you about because that one looked really, really gnarly in the movie. It that, was. That's that's what that's like close to thirteen thousand feet above, right? Sea yeah. level. Uh, it just died on one ear, but uh, it's all right. Dude. <laughs> Dude, we're having some head headphone issues. Sorry, Sorry about I can that. still hear you guys just fine. Garrett, um, we gotta get new headphones, dude. Dude, we'll do it. It's all good. I thought we were moving towards no, the no headphones <laughs> movement. But, uh. <laughs> it's all good. Sorry about that. No, no worries. Um, but anyways, yeah, that Kular, it that that one seemed crazy. And again, it's like thirteen thousand feet. If I'm, I think it's close to that, right? Like twelve, eight, twelve, nine, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, some crazy. It, it looks humongous. It is, and it's like super technical. Like you have to. There's this. There's a shot in the movie where I'm like at the edge, at the precipice, like looking down into it. And the, the cameraman's, like, behind me, like, trying to look down into it, but he can't even, like, get close enough to, like, look into the cooler with it because it's <laughs> so steep. So it just looks like I'm just at the yeah, edge. Yeah, you of say, the, like, yeah. that's the line. There it is. It's like, uh, I don't see anything. Where, where exactly is the line? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, like. It's a leap of faith. Totally. Totally. And it's, like, you really trust your outside ski and your ability to engage it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and what are you skiing on? In, are you skiing on those, the... Are they mantras? Yeah, I ski on a vocal mantra, so it's a V-Works. The V-Works one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I'm, i like, a mantra purist at this point. It's, like, when I'm in the resort, I'm on the M6, mm -hmm. and then when I'm touring, I'm on the V-Works, but, like, it's always a mantra. Got it. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you have any any input in those skis? No, during, not at all, During actually. development? No? No. Like, um, you should fucking say something to vocal, <laughs> man. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, right now, it would just be, like, good job, you know? Um <laughs> <laughs> Just just show them your segment TGR. Like, can I help design the next ski, please? Yeah, that would be honestly. I love the design stuff. As I get more into it, I've been um, definitely doing that. I got asked a couple years ago with one of my other companies, Helly Hansen, mm -hmm. just like, hey, what do you think of this coat? And that like sparked the whole thing. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, because I, like I'd never owned nice gear before, so I was like not one to criticize. But then as soon as I like started, got asked the question once, it's like the brain starts going. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I hope to get into that with skis, too, because I, I, I would have fun just, like, playing with it. Yeah, seeing, you seeing what works. Yeah, you definitely should. I mean, you, you get the privilege to go to the factory, though, right? Yes. Which is badass. Dude, yeah. Like, we, we can talk about that. Like, that, like how cool is that? Okay, yeah, that, that gives you a whole new respect for... 100%. Yeah, I mean, just, like, you see a ski on the floor, and you're like, oh, that's nice, you know, cool top sheet or mm -hmm. whatever. But, like, seeing how a ski is made, especially, I mean, I, don't, I haven't been to other factories, but the vocal ski process is wild there's just like such precision that goes into every step along the way and and like the way that that thing is constructed and the number of hands that touch every single yeah. pair of skis wild. before you get it crazy it's like just walking the path that the ski goes through inside this factory is like it's a mile long 
going through all these like very specific computers and then like human touch. Like there's just one station where it's just like three Bavarian dudes who just like flex it till they feel right. Yeah. Madison yeah. was very encapsulated. She was very like overwhelmed by the, by the Bavarian men. Just like large <laughs> Bavarian guys who would like, it's like, it's like, all right, we just saw like this million dollar computer, like computer that just is like measuring like the shape of this thing. And, and, and then like the next step along the way, is just like a guy who's just like, he just had like six Frankfurters and now he's here to flex. It was yeah. like, what is going on? This yeah. is like, she was very captivated. She said it probably like, I think maybe like 70 times yesterday. The, yeah, the yeah. Bavarian men. The Bavarian men. <laughs> but I mean, I, I feel pretty lucky because I've been to a couple factories as well. And like, it, it's just really cool because it, it, like to what you said, it puts everything into perspective on the equipment that you're on. It really does. You know, because yeah. prior to that, you know, you break a mantra, you know, you say, hey, vocal, I broke a mantra. They say, oh, no problem. Here's another mantra. Now you're like, you see exactly what went in to that particular ski that you're skiing on all the way to the end when some big Bavarian man is flexing it. And you're like, yeah. man, I, I, I gotta, I gotta put, show some love and respect to my mom. Well, we, we've you know? said it a few times on here, but like, it's insane that they don't cost substantially more than they do for how much goes into each one. Yeah. Like yeah. they're handmade piece all by piece. Like, yeah. and, then, and like you said, you walk the line, right? You so you basically walk the path of the ski and you see, every single step that goes into it. And like the whole thing for me anyways, like my wheels are turning when I walk the same path and you're like, man, like that is so many steps for like this piece of equipment and it costs, you know, this much. You're like, I don't, I don't get it. It's crazy. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It, it def I, what you said about like hurting a ski, like, I, I mean, I guess I, I'm from the East coast. So it's like when I'd like hit a rock and I'm a ski racer too. So when I hit a rock, I'd like feel physical pain. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, that like went away a little bit, you know, as I got signed and I had like, you know, more. It's skis. natural. It's natural for that to happen. Yeah. You know? yeah. I was just like, yeah, freaking tools, not jewels. Let's jam these things. And then now I'm back again where I'm like, holy shit, this is a work of art. And I, I really have to be like careful with this thing because like some serious love went into this thing. It's yeah. cool. It's really cool. It, and, and I mean, I'd call it love. Germans call it engineering. You know, we're saying the same. Shit. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I mean, again, and you, you, you met, you're here, right? So you walked around Ski Monster and like you see our wall of stuff and it's like, it's so hard to just be like, oh, I can just like grab another ski. Like it's not a big deal. But then when you go through the process that, that, and all of the engineering that they're putting into this particular piece of equipment, it's really hard to like go back the other way. Yeah, totally. It's respect. It's just respect for the whole process. And yeah. that's like, it's hard to unlearn respect. Thankfully. It, it, yeah, yeah. It, really, it really is. It's cool. And what I said with the vocal thing too, because like they don't just take anyone to that factory, which is like kind of bullshit to be honest <laughs> with you. So you should feel yourself like very lucky to go there. Oh, I feel, definitely. I feel yeah. like we, we, we've been a pretty good market vocal customer for a while. And like, like I said yesterday, and George and I always joke about it, like we're not even, we're not even sniffing the vocal factory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it did definitely feel like when we went, we went into the cafeteria and there's just like all the factory guys there, they were looking at us like, would they do? Yeah. Would they do <laughs> <laughs> Were there signs everywhere that says like no photos? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So they do have people there. <laughs> do they let you take photos or no? Did you sneak them? I snuck. Yeah, you have yeah. to. I mean, I just like I just want to show my dad. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like same thing. We went to the Nordic factory and and the Elon factory. And same thing. There's like you guys can't take photos or anything, but like you gotta like sneak a couple. I mean, Jesus. Whatever you're going to be in. It's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to come back here. Yeah. I need to remember. I need to, like, have some evidence. Totally. Yeah, totally. Just, like, just to show my friends, like, hey, like, check this out. Like, yeah. This is on my feet right now. It's yeah, pretty it's, cool. It's sick. Yeah. yeah. It's really sick. And I feel like we just, we didn't even talk about it. So we, sh we should talk about it a little bit before we kind of wrap this thing up. But, like, you are from, I mentioned it a couple of times because I know this, but you are from New England. You're from the East Coast. You're from Vermont. Yeah. And so you were at a Killington skier for a while. So when did you, when would you make the jump from, from Killington to college and then decide that, Hey, I'm going to, I'm moving to Jackson. We, we should probably at least cover that. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I would say that, yeah. So I, I grew up ski racing at Killington, mm -hmm. went to Killington mountain school. Um, and then per, like pretty, um, I would say not straightforward, but like, uh, normal path. I, and then I went to Colby college and ski race for NCAA division one there for four years at Sugarloaf. Um, and then I graduated from Colby and I was like, Oh shit, I actually hadn't thought about my life past this point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, for like not even a minute. Um, which, you know, maybe that's why 
I'm like good at this job because it's like no foresight at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just day at a time. Just day at a time. Um, but yeah, I like graduated and I like instantly went into like a mega depression because I was like, I have no purpose. Yep. And uh buddy I went to Killington Mountain School with, Chris Hopkins, gave me a ring and he's like, yo, dude. Um, <laughs> he was like a consultant or something. He's like, uh, I hate my job. Let's go be pro skiers. And I was like, yeah, deal. Let's, let's do it. I think I actually, I actually was like so low at this point. I was like, I was in Chicago, like sleeping at a skydive center, like just like sweeping the floors for like free jumps. I was like lost. Right. I was just like totally lost. Um, but he called me he's like, I'm, I want to, let's go be pro skiers. And I was like, that sounds great for you. And it was just like my first mega vote of confidence. He was like, no dude, you got this too. So we moved to Jackson together and Cause, cause at that point I, one of the things keeping me afloat was every single night I'd watch TGR films till I fell asleep. It's like, I, I, it was like keeping I, the, keeping the fire alive. Just like I, it was the, it was like a demonstration that I found in the media of people who are like living a life that I found intriguing yeah. cause I was so lost and it was like, here's a group of people who are like doing exactly what they love. And that was like pretty important to me at the time to see that, to like yeah. see that in the media of like people really enjoying their life and pursuing their passion. I needed it. So, so like when I got the call from Chris, I was like, yeah, we obviously have to go to Jackson. I knew that's where TGR was based. And I was like, you know, it's like, let's go get as close to the thing as possible. Yep. Um, and then it was like years of struggle after that. Cause it's like, <laughs> you just like, can't just show up in Jackson and do the thing. Right. Um, mostly it was like, Chris and I together just like skiing super fast under the chairlifts, just like hoping people know someone, <laughs> someone says something. Yeah. He's and it, it's, just, it's, it's like skiing so hot, fast. Oh my God. Hot shots. I think we got some kids that came out here to be pros. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were probably being like, who's that kook in like <laughs> wearing like an army Navy surplus rain jacket. Cause that's what I had. I bought a $8 rubber rain jacket because all I had up to that point was like my Colby ski race yeah. outfit that the, the college issued and I couldn't wear that. Yeah. So I went to the army Navy eight bucks rubber. Like and I thought it was so cool to be honest. It was knee length rubber rain jacket. It was like weighed like a hundred pounds. Functional, <laughs> very functional though. Yeah. Except for when you started sweating, I was like <laughs> soaking wet in that thing at all times. Um, but like, who's this guy under the lift in a trench coat? It's well, awesome. Yeah. But I mean, it, what's cool is like, don't, so you think that like the precision of ski racing for you like really helped translate into what you do now? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and like, and, and just also in the mindset of like, it just like goal orientation of like, okay, here's a skill set. I need to get better at specifically this if I want to get to the next stage. Right. And, and all the training and the mindset and all that practice that went into it coming from the East coast and a ski racing background, it has helped me in like countless ways. I'm sure it does. Yeah. Especially when you're, when you're getting shots. Cause I, you know, we talk about that all the time, but like you you, you learn how to make a turn, right? And then, then now you have to kind of like unlearn or like relearn what it looks like w to be good in a photo mm -hmm. or a video. And I'm sure that was kind of like a, a slow progress um, process for you at, at first, right? Because it's like, I know how to turn like a ski racer, but that doesn't always translate into like getting like a good pow shot. Totally. Yeah. Learning the whole industry. I mean, like yeah. everybody, the, the greatest illusion that we create in this industry is that like, we're just like out there shredding and like somehow it gets captured, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's actually, it's way cooler than that. When you learn the intricacies of what goes into like making these films of like, yes, I'm doing this thing. I'm skiing this line like you're seeing, but I have communicated with six different people in order to bring this vision to you. Like I've communicated with, you know, like another skier or a guide, somebody to make sure to, back me up in case things go wrong. I've communicated with two cinematographers, one being a drone pilot of exactly where I'm going to fly and the guy on the ground. And we've placed him to get the right angle. And right. like we've created our own vocabulary so that I can like have this like perfectly blank white mountain. And, and you know exactly where I'm going to go because I've like said, I'm going to ski over that dong or over that roll and that Christmas tree. And, and you know what you're both of you know what you're talking about. And it's like, it's way cooler, but like, yeah, you have to learn that whole thing separately from skiing. Yeah. And, and that took years. Yeah. That took years to get that going. It's cool. And it's, it's something that you would never even know existed until you actually immerse yourself into it. Yeah. You know, cause like you just think that like, and I've said this before, but it's really true. That's what I thought. You know, someone just is, Neil just flies by somebody and it's like, oh, someone must have just had their phone out at the perfect moment and made him look really good. Got cool. the shot. Yeah. Got the shot. <laughs> way he was just, more he was just riding by, you know, like, oh yeah. yeah. But it's, it's obviously way more, 
<laughs> complicated than me. it's yeah it's so complicated and and when you start like learning the industry you realize you like gain a deep respect for anybody and it's like and that's what i say to a lot of people who are like ski movie fans or like more critics it's like okay here's a challenge for you go out and make a 30 second edit that everybody wants to watch um at, like just with your phone and just like see how hard that is or like and and then you realize you're like wow it's really hard to make this yeah. this thing look good the feeling inside is like i know what that feels like and you have this uh, like image of what it looks like but putting it all together and the teamwork that goes into it mm -hmm. It's very difficult. And then when you do do it and you do it well, it's very rewarding. It's really yeah. cool. And then you put it on what's it, what's even the next step, right? Is like you doing that and like put it, putting it on, on social, right? Because that's what you should do, right? Cause for your sponsors and, and to put out like what you're actually doing. But then it's like, a lot of people are like, oh man, like how come I can't, how, when I take photos or videos when I'm at Killington, it doesn't look like that. And it's kind of funny because like how much actually goes into it, but no one even knows. I mean, same thing with like with Ski Monster stuff. Like when, when we post stuff, it's like so much goes into like getting those shots or whatever. But like if you do it right, it just looks like it just kind of happens. Yeah, exactly. Which it's, is it's like this big magic trick. It is. Yeah. It's a super big magic trick. Awesome. Well, dude, this is a good place to end it, I think. Cool. Um, I'm glad Boston turned out for you guys last night. Yeah. I really am. Big um, time. I'm glad that there was a big showing. Everyone was partying. It's always a really good event at the House of Blues. And I think this is, maybe they did it last year, but I know they took a couple years off, obviously, because of COVID. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that TJR got a lot of love and that uh, you had a good time. Yeah, I had a great time. Cool, really man. great time. Stoked to be here. Stoked to have you, Jim. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Thanks. That was good. Sweet. Peace, everybody. Later.